to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. For your body to be completely healthy, it's you have to look at what's going into it. And so that's what you're eating, drinking, breathing, and not to forget putting on your skin because your skin is a massive organ of absorption. And in Ayurveda, for example, a very ancient medical system of the Hindus, um, they speak about nourishing the body through putting specific oils on the skin. And we do know that those oils um, get absorbed um, and they also have um, effects um, on the microbiome that live on the skin. And the microbiome helps us break down those oils and the breakdown products get absorbed into our body. So what we're putting in us and on us and through us, that's something that we have to look at. So people, that's where nutrition usually um, stops at, where it's like, okay, what are you eating or drinking? That's important, but then you have to go on to the next step, which is what is your body able to break down and then get into the body? If you think about it, um, from the mouth all the way down to the rectum, um, it's a tube all connected, like the, the food that you put in your mouth will go down through the esophagus, the stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine, and then whatever is still there um, or additional things that the body excretes into it for detoxification gets pooped out. Well, everything that's inside that tube is actually not inside your body, technically. It's surrounded by your body, but it hasn't actually yet gone into your body, right? So that food that you chewed and that you ideally broke down with the stomach acid and then broke down with the little enzymes or tools in your um, small intestine will break it down small enough into small enough pieces and the right kind of pieces that the body will be able to take those and absorb them through the lining of the gut into the body. Again, the lining of the gut, you can think of it as a coffee filter. And what's getting absorbed is that kind of liquidy um, material that's full of nutrients, minerals, vitamins, phytonutrients from plants, the breakdown product of fiber. We don't actually use fiber. The fiber gets broken down in our gut by our microbiome. And those breakdown products then go into our body. And those are ketones, for example. So all of those things need to get absorbed uh, into the body. It needs to get into the body. And there are tests to demonstrate whether or not, for example, protein that you're eating is actually getting into the body. So in the stool test that you can do through a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor or a doctor who has an account with these companies, uh, you can even go to these companies directly and get the stool test done yourself. The challenge then becomes how to interpret the results. But one of the tests would be um, undigested protein. So you could be watching like your protein intake and eating all this protein to increase your muscle mass. And it, it won't matter if your body's not able to digest it and then break it down and then absorb it. So having undigested protein 
remaining in your poo and getting pooped out means that you're actually not absorbing that nutrient. And that can happen with all nutrients. It can happen with your minerals like zinc and magnesium. Um, it can happen with um, the breakdown products of your fiber, um, with your carbohydrates. Um, some are better absorbed than others, but um, uh, if, you're not, if you have lost your digestive power, it's been affected in some way, for example, by stress or medications or toxicities like mercury, that'll affect your ability to actually absorb your food. Okay, so now let's say you've absorbed your food because you properly broke it down and you took it into your body. And now the question is, it's, it's in the bloodstream or it's in the lymphatic system, one of those two places, okay? And so like fats tend to go more into the lymphatic system, for example. And um, that, those become highways that transport those nutrients throughout your body. So when you do a blood test, what you're looking is um, what is being transported on those highways in your blood, okay? However, that's not where the magic happens. Like if you think about the nutrients, like the materials that are being transported to the factories, the factories are your cells. So inside your cells is where the, those nutrients are actually used. They're not used in the blood. They're, they have to be put into the cells, right? And the cells are um, what make up your body, like at the smallest, smallest level, not the smallest, but at, the, at a very microscopic level. It's all the tiny little cells that are linked up together and all the, like, you know, multiple cells make up the liver and other cells make up the skin, other cells make up your ovaries and your testes. And so it's these um, cells that have to take in these nutrients and use these nutrients to create the chemistry of life. And let's say those cells are like a factory and you're trying to tell, you're trying to figure out, okay, how how are the cells doing? Like, are the cells getting enough of those nutrients? Let's take magnesium as an example, right? So you get the magnesium into your body and now it's floating around in the blood. And then, the, and then that magnesium has to go from the blood into the cells. And each cell has a certain requirement for that nutrient. So every cell will have, you know, some will need more magnesium, some will need less magnesium, depending on what they're doing, right? And each organ will have a different requirement for magnesium. And let's say you do a blood test to test you for your magnesium levels. Well, all that tells you is how much magnesium is floating around in your blood, which doesn't tell you how well is your body able to absorb that magnesium into the cells and how well is that magnesium being used inside the cell. In fact, um, the blood test only shows you about 1% of your magnesium stores, which means 99% of your magnesium is elsewhere. It's in the brain, it's in the spinal uh, fluid, it's in the tissues, like our, you know, in the organs, in, it's intracellular, right, inside the cell, okay? And there's, uh, you can, then you can say, well, how then do I test other, how do I test how my magnesium levels are? You say, well, you can do what's called a red blood cell magnesium level. Um, because red blood cells that carry oxygen around in our blood will take in the magnesium right into them. And you can take the red blood cells from the blood and analyze the magnesium inside those blood cells. And that'll give you about a, a, an idea of 30% of your magnesium stores. And the rest of it, you just don't know. You, you can't take like a, a chunk of skin or a chunk of liver and analyze that for the magnesium levels right? There's no real test for that. So 
So that's when you start to have to rely on the body language. So for example, when it comes to magnesium, um, a, a frequent sign of low magnesium is muscle cramping, right? So especially at night, people get like muscle cramps or they cramp easily. Soreness of muscles, like tight muscles around the neck and jaw. It's not so much that they cause the tightness. That could be from problems with malalignment or a previous whiplash injury or an injury to the neck. But if you have a magnesium deficit, you're going to experience those pains even more. Same thing with pain in the lower back. And because magnesium is the mineral of, uh, that is necessary to make every single en uh, energy molecule in your body, ATP, which is the name for that molecule, um, if you have low stores of magnesium, then all of your organ systems are going to be functioning at a lower capacity, although the body has what's called the triage system where it'll take what it needs and put it to what to what it needs the most so it'll it'll you know sacrifice hair production for the heart function for example right it'll triage that it won't give you magnesium for your hair if you're if it's going to do it at the sacrifice of your heart the body is incredibly intelligent and dr bruce ames is is the doctor who put forward this theory and there's quite a bit of evidence to support that theory and for each person, that triaging is different. So some people will experience low magnesium as the muscle cramps. Other will experience that as problems with fertility, right? Because you need energy to make hormones. Others will experience it as hair loss. Other will experience it as um, problems with the heart, like arrhythmias, like problems with the beating of the heart. Um, you know, and, and I could list every single problem in the body because, again, because you need magnesium to make every energy molecule. It can affect anything and everything. And I use magnesium as the example, but that happens in the case of everything. So protein, for example, right? So you could be taking in a lot of protein, and if you're not properly digesting it, well, there's the body language is um, what you get from the undigested protein. So you can get a lot of um, constipation and flatulence and bloating because that protein ferments in the gut. So you can get a bit of like a, a bloated belly from that. And the stools can smell and, and the color can be quite dark, uh, for example. And then because you're not getting enough protein in your body, you can actually start to lose muscle mass. Um, and that's something that happens as we age, um, because uh, as we age, we do lose um, some digestive power, like the acidity in our stomach that is necessary to help with the breakdown of protein. So we don't break it down as much. And it, more of it stays in the gut rather than getting into the body. And then you start to lose muscle mass. And so there's a, a recommendation that people over the age of around 60 should increase their protein intake. This is one of the reasons. And one uh, workaround is to actually address the underlying problem, which is the decrease in digestive power and to actually improve the stomach acidity when you're eating these protein meals with things like HCL betaine, which is a, a supplement you can get over the counter. And there's protocols to discover how much of that um, supplement you need um, in order to properly break down your protein. And that's something that functional medicine doctors and naturopathic doctors are quite familiar with. So you are what you put through you and in you. We, you are what gets into you, and then you are what goes from the blood into the cell. And so what that means that the doorway from the blood into the cell has to be healthy. So the, the membrane, the lining of the cell, you can think of the cell as kind of like a sack. And that sack is made of an oil, a fat-like substance. Okay, so it's, it's made out of fat rather than water substance, right? So 
and it's got two layers to it. And in order for things to get through, it has to pass through that membrane to get into the cell. Okay, some of it um, diffuses through, it just kind of passes through on its own. It doesn't require energy. And some of the minerals and nutrients uh, need to be actively transported in, like special doorways, like a lock and key, like a special knock. And then you open the door and you let that molecule in. So it requires energy to get in and it requires a very healthy membrane to get in. And because what makes the membrane is fat, when you are taking in healthy fats that are compatible with the chemistry of life, like uh, olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, those were all um, the reason that they are compatible with the chemistry of life is because they were they are mechanically extracted. What I mean by that is you can take an olive oil and you can squeeze it and oil will come out. Same thing with an avocado and same thing with the coconut oil. Other oils like canola oil, which comes from rape seeds, soy oil, corn oil, those kinds of oils, they have to undergo a very um, different kind of chemical processing in order to extract those oils. So they're vegetable seed oils. So you have to put them under extremely high pressure and then usually use a chemical solvent to um, make the oil look attractive and to um, have it not look like a grayish substance, but look a little bit more yellow, a little bit more like what we associate with an oil color. And um, there has, there's very convincing research to show that the um, structure of these chemically extracted oils from vegetable seeds are not compatible with optimal um, life chemistry. And so because they are a bit more rigid, so if you think of the cell again as a fluid-filled sac and the sac is like an oily membrane, you want that oily membrane to be flexible and moving. And um, you know, just like your skin is flexible and moving and kind of soft and it changes shapes as you touch it, it needs to have that ability to flex and adapt and change shapes. And those oils, those vegetable seed oils, when they get incorporated into the body, they're a little bit more rigid and they're not as good as al at allowing these nutrients to pass through, to flow through. Whereas the oil from olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, those um, found in nature and minimally processed, right? Mechanically processed, as I explained, oils, they are compatible with life. And they, uh, when they get incorporated into the cell, when the body takes that oil, and uses it to make a cell membrane to repair it or to make a new cell, that cell membrane is nice and soft and flexible because of the type of oil that was used to make it. And that is especially important in the brain. The brain is 60% fat. So if you go on a low-fat diet, like a too low-fat diet, or uh, if you incorporate in your, um, uh, as part of your oils, those um, vegetable seed oils that I mentioned, or things like margarine, so those trans fatty acid oils, trans fat oils, you're going to potentially run into problems where the quality of tissues uh, throughout your body, and particularly the brain, which is 60% fat, is going to go down, which means that the function of those tissues is going to go down. And what does that look like? That means a decline in your health. So from a brain level, that would be things like brain fog, right? Difficulties with remembering things, uh, difficulties with remembering names and doing things like um, mathematical computations that you used to be quite comfortable with, difficulties with planning out things, organizing things, your judgment, 
you know, you might start to forget like where you put stuff. And at one point that could eventually be diagnosed as dementia. And in some individuals, depending on um, the, the type of uh, dementia that they have, um, they could have Alzheimer's, right? So it can get into that severity of, uh, of disease expression. And that is because what was put into there, what was actually absorbed and assimilated was not the right quality. Um, and getting back to what happens when you don't actually get those um, nutrients into the cell, well, the cell is like a mini version of you. You are made up of millions of mini versions of you. It's, it's at a cellular level. It's like many different cells are, t- are together, working together as a community. So like in the liver, there's all of these cells that make up the community of the liver and the bones make up the community of the bones. And there's different kinds of cells within them. It's not like there's one kind of cell within a liver and one kind of cell within the bones. There's multiple different kinds of cells. Each one of them has a different function. And when those functions start to go down, that's when you start to have problems with health. So at the level of the bone, when you start to get thinning of the bone, that's osteopenia. And when it starts, and when that thinning gets quite severe, it's osteoporosis. So it's like a spectrum, you know, it goes, it goes from being nice and thick and dense to thinner osteopenia to thin osteoporosis. And osteoporosis is characterized by a very easy ability to break your bone. And I just want to make a note that I've been noticing that a lot of children are breaking their bones um, with ways of, with ways that should not, with activities that should not actually cause a bone fracture. And the um, interesting thing about that is that a fragility fracture in osteoporosis is by definition a fracture that you get from a low impact uh, event. So for example, falling from standing. Typically, if you fall from standing, you shouldn't break a bone right? You dust yourself off and you get up. But as we get older and our bones get more brittle, like thinner and more fragile, you're more likely to have a fragility fracture. And I've been seeing what would technically be classified as a fragility fracture in children. So a child should be able to jump from one level to a lower level that they can manage without breaking a bone. And I've seen children breaking bones with, with jumps that are not that high. And so when I hear that, I think to myself, this child either has a problem with the quality of what's being put into their bodies or their ability to break their food down, their ability to get the food into their bodies and the, and the ability for those cells to use what's getting into their bodies. And I've already covered one of the reasons why something might not get into a cell, and that's the quality of the cell membrane. The other thing could be um, a toxicity. So if you have, for example, heavy metals, like mercury and aluminum, arsenic, and those things, those can interfere with cellular function, the ability of the cell to work appropriately. Okay, they kind of block up those doorways and and they don't allow things to get in. And they also cause deficiencies in our nutrients. And again, to to make a healthy cell membrane and to have the internal functionings of the cell working properly, you need to have the building blocks. And so if you have um, a diet that's insufficient of those building blocks, and over time you get lo- less and less building blocks available to make the cells and the proper workings of the internal workings of the cells. It's like a factory analogy again, where let's say you, you no longer have certain machines available that the, that the factory needs in order to, to produce things. 
So you're like depriving the factory of workers and machines while the, the ability of the factory to take in new products that they can use, the building blocks that they, they can use to make what products that they're making will go down too. And that's the same thing with the cell. You know, nutritional toxicities, nutritional deficiencies, environmental toxicities, and those things can affect it. And one more thing about the bloodstream is that when you damage the blood the blood vessels themselves and ways you can damage the blood vessels are from things like smoking, inhalation of air pollutants. If you live in a polluted place or if you had like a um, one-time inhalation injury like um, smoke, inhaling smoke from like a fire, those sorts of things. Also inflammation will injure the inside of the lining of the blood vessels. And that can happen from the, you know, things like sugar. So sugar is very damaging to the inside of the lining of the blood vessels. And so when you start to have those damages to the highways themselves, those highways um, eventually get broken down, so to speak, and they no longer can function to deliver the nutrients to where they want to go. So at an extreme level, um, with the problem with sugar that comes from fast carbohydrates, like um, easy foods that turn into sugar quite quickly, which is bread, pasta, pastries, cookies, donuts, pizza, those kinds of things, they get, they have a lot of sugar in them. And if you're, if you're having those uh, frequently, then that's getting released into the blood and that's overwhelming the system and causing damage to the blood lining of the vessels in type two diabetes, which is the kind of towards the end stage of that process, right? So you get prediabetes and then type two diabetes diagnosis when those blood sugar levels climb and climb and climb because the body becomes overwhelmed with the ability to deal with it. The um, characteristic um, features of type 2 diabetes who have been having that experience for a long time is that their extremities, like their feet and their hands, no longer get good circulation. The circulation to the eyes suffers, so they start to have problems with eye, with eye, with vision. And to the feet, and it can become so severe that they actually get infections that can't heal. And then the skin breaks down, that's called an ulceration, and that's, that eventually leads to amputation. 50% of amputations in North America are from type 2 diabetes as a result of that blood stream, that blood flow being affected. And so it can no longer carry nutrients to the, to the feet. It can't even carry the immune cells, which are responsible for fighting off infections. And that's how an infection, an infection can take hold and not be healed. So the body has many conditions that are testimony to the fact that it's not just what you put inside of you. It's how it gets transported, what gets into you, how it gets transported, how it gets absorbed into the cell, and how does it is used in a cellular level. Okay, so that's all of those um, pieces. And then you have to remember, just like a factory, there there's waste products that are produced. So you take these products in, you 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 use them, you break them down, you change their configuration, you create new things, and then you have these waste products. Well, now the cell has to get rid of those waste products. They have to transport those waste products out of the cell through the cell membrane, through the lining of the cell. And then they have to put it back into the blood, right? And remember the blood has to be flowing well, flowing throughout the body, going back into the heart, right? Uh, uh, through the venous system, through the veins, okay? That's the, the veins are what pick it up. And also the lymphatic system. So the, the cell will also dump so the cell will dump its um, garbage out into the extracellular fluid, the fluid that's outside of the cell, and that extracellular fluid will either go into the veins or into the lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is like a network of like very fragile, very delicate pipes, 
I'm going to say that like they, they're very, very thin and delicate. And it's like a, a stocking network that kind of like a, a stocking uh, over your hands and your feet going all the way up to your heart and your head down into your heart and some deep draining pipes as well. And they all drain into your heart. And then, so it's full of the waste material. So your veins and your lymphatic system drain into your heart and that, it, that gets pumped out to be cleaned out by things like um, your kidneys, for example, to, de- to, to excrete those out, to detoxify those out. Whatever you're not eliminating, you're keeping in. So they're staying, it's staying either in the cells, it's staying in the extracellular fluid, and that's when you start to see swelling, like you know that kind of puffiness or what's called lymph edema. So edema is uh, fluids, fluid building up. And the lymphedema is very classic for when it's building up in the lymphatic system as a result of the lymphatic system not working. And oftentimes that is experienced like in one arm or one leg or both legs, you know, and typically one important way that that can happen is when you have breast cancer and you have a portion of your lymphatic system is removed when you have the surgery to remove the breast, the cancer in the breast. Uh, and then that that arm can no longer be drained through the lymphatic system. And women with breast cancer will frequently get, who have that kind of surgery, will frequently get swelling of that arm because it, there's just a buildup of this fluid that can't be cleared. So you need to be able to clear that. And you need to be able to get out of the kidneys or get it out in your in your poop. So it gets, you know, there's processes in place to get things out of the body into the poop so you can poop it out. You need to, or it can be um, breathed out. You can breathe it out through your lungs. The lungs is a wonderful organ of detoxification. If you've ever drank too much and the next day you're recovering from that, you'll, you can smell the alcohol in your breath. It's because the body's detoxifying the alcohol through your lungs and also uh, through your sweat. Things get detoxified through your sweat. And also, again, using the example of alcohol, if you drink too much the next day, you may not smell it on yourself, but other people would smell it to, to say, wow, you, you really smell like alcohol. You're, you're basically sweating it out through your pores and your body's doing that with a lot of things all the time, which is why um, supporting those natural systems of detoxification is so key because you are not just what you um, eat and absorb and assimilate into your cells, but you're also what you do not eliminate. And when your elimination is for elimination of things that no longer serve you, and when those things start to build up, you have a you have a buildup of a lot of things that do not serve you in your body, and that's going to cause a problem in your in your body functions. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe and please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at 
Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 